If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Conkey Ride Home for Friday, January 28th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, Catalonia is set to pardon a thousand people who were condemned for witchcraft 400 years ago. Plus, a mysterious object discovered in our galaxy has astronomers a bit stumped. And why don't avatars in the metaverse have legs? Here are some of the cool things from the news today. So yesterday, I talked briefly about vagrancy laws and how in certain places, particularly in the 19th and 20th centuries, you could be arrested for vagrancy for doing basically anything that people in power didn't like. Well, a few hundred years before that, and still in some places, you would instead be charged with witchcraft, especially if you were a woman, although not exclusively. And apparently, tis the season for finally pardoning everyone accused of being a witch back in the day. Following similar initiatives proposed in Scotland, Switzerland, Norway, and even by a group of middle schoolers in Salem, Massachusetts, Catalonia has just passed a resolution to pardon up to a thousand people who were condemned for witchcraft four centuries ago. The Guardian shared some interesting historical context, quote, It's estimated that between 1580 and 1630, about 50,000 people were condemned to death for witchcraft across Europe, of whom about 80% were women. While witch hunts raged across northern Europe, in Spain, the Inquisition had its hands full, rooting out heresy among Jews and Muslims who had been forcibly converted to Christianity. The Inquisition was skeptical about allegations of witchcraft. Catalonia was the exception, however, and witch hunts persisted well into the 18th century there. What is thought to be the first European law against witchcraft was passed in Leda in 1424. According to Poe Castell, a professor of modern history at the University of Barcelona, Witch hunts were more common in Catalonia because rural areas came under the absolute power of feudal lords, and confession alone was sufficient proof of guilt. He added that, paradoxically, in cases where the Inquisition was called in, the accused were often set free for lack of evidence, end quote. Case in point, and adding to the fact that this isn't the first time Catalonia is issuing a pardon too late, back in the 17th century, a village called Salent hired a witch finder named Joan Casabruja, or basically John the Witch Hunter, and his work led to the hanging of 33 women. But when the Inquisition realized that most of those women had been innocent, they burned Casabruja at the stake. 
and quoting again, Spain's most notorious trial for witchcraft centered on the village of Sugaramurdi, where it was claimed that men and women, including priests, practiced witchcraft in a large cave. Before the trial began in nearby Logroño in 1609, altogether 7,000 people were investigated, an astonishing number given that even today, Sugaramurdi has a population of 225. 2,000 suspects confessed, nearly three-quarters of them children, but nearly all later retracted. In the end, 11 were condemned, of whom five had already died in prison. The remaining six, four women and two men, were burned at the stake. End quote. We may soon have more information about those and other incidents, and particularly about the victims, because the parliamentary resolution to pardon the victims also included approvals for new research into their lives and the suggestion that some towns dedicate street names to some of the women killed. Jen Diaz, a member of parliament, said this of the resolution, quote, We are the heiresses of the witches, the poisoners, and the healers. There is a connection between witch hunts and femicide. We want reparation and an understanding that the past is not as distant as we think, end quote. And on the note of reparations, Yvette Eroles, the author of a book about witchcraft in Catalonia, pointed out that the quippy saying, We're the granddaughters of the witches they couldn't burn, would more accurately be, quote, We are the descendants of those who murdered them. We are the oppressors' heirs, end quote. In other words, it's time to reckon with our past and make amends however we can. Astronomers in Australia have discovered some kind of cosmic object in our Milky Way, but aren't sure exactly what it is. The only thing they are certain is that we've never found anything like it before. So, back in 2020, then-undergrad Tyrone O'Doherty at Curtin University in Perth spotted the object while examining data collected in 2018 by the Murchison Widefield Array Telescope in the Western Australia Outback. That's when he spotted a mysterious object that emitted huge bursts of energy every 18 minutes for a few hours and then disappeared. And when it was emitting those blasts of energy, it illuminated to briefly become one of the brightest objects in the sky. And what's more, it's only about 4,000 light years away from us. Natasha Hurley Walker, the astrophysicist who led the team O'Doherty was on when he made the observation, described that as so close that it's, quote, in our galactic backyard. And quoting Science Alert, in data collected by the MWA telescope between January and March of 2018, employing a new technique developed by O'Doherty, the astronomers found 71 pulses from the same spot in the sky. Analyzing the signal, they tracked down its location and worked out that the object, whatever it might be, is smaller than the sun and very radio bright. They also discovered that the emission is highly polarized or twisted, suggesting that its source has an extraordinarily strong magnetic field. End quote. Hurley Walker described its behavior as spooky. Quoting Space.com, Objects like these, which appear and disappear before our telescope lenses, are known as transients. Typically, transients represent either a dying star, a supernova, or the bizarre, rapidly spinning corpse of an already dead star, also known as a neutron star. However, neither of those standard explanations quite fit with the behavior of this newfound object, researchers wrote in the new study. It's possible that the mysterious object is evidence of a new type of stellar object that has only been theorized until now, or even one that astronomers haven't even dreamt up, 
end quotes. And from Mike, quote, When studying transience, you're watching the death of a massive star or the activity of the remnants it leaves behind, astrophysicist Dr. Gemma Anderson, who co-authored a report in Nature on the object, said in a press release. Slow transients, like supernovae, might appear over the course of a few days and disappear after a few months. Fast transients, like a type of neutron star called a pulsar, flash on and off within milliseconds or seconds. What made this new object really weird, Anderson said, was that it stayed on for about a minute every 18 minutes. Keeping that in mind, Hurley Walker proposed that the object may be an ultra-long-period magnetar, or a type of slowly-spinning neutron star that has been predicted to exist theoretically, end quote. And Reuters expanded on the magnetar theory, quote, An ultra-long-period magnetar is a variety of a neutron star, the compact collapsed core of a massive star that exploded as a supernova, that is highly magnetized and rotates relatively slowly, as opposed to fast-spinning neutron stars star objects called pulsars that appear from Earth to be blinking on and off within milliseconds or seconds, end quote. And NBC News spoke to Kiyoshi Masui, an assistant professor of physics at MIT who was not involved in the study but whose own research focuses on fast radio bursts, single pulses of radio waves from other galaxies. Quoting NBC, Fast radio bursts seemingly occur at random, unleashing intense bursts of energy before disappearing. It's possible, Masui said, that the two phenomena are related. Magnetars are thought to be a possible source of fast radio bursts, but the links haven't always been clear. Magnetars are typically found only in areas where new stars are being born, but fast radio bursts have been detected away from stellar nurseries, sometimes in areas where there are only old stars, Masui said. In their study, Hurley Walker and her colleagues found that the newly detected object appears to be spinning much more slowly than other magnetars, which could indicate that it has outlived other magnetars that typically last only a few thousand years. If this object is, in fact, a magnetar, that could mean that at least some types of magnetars can survive much longer than we thought they could, Masui said. That could solve the thorn in the side of the magnetar hypothesis for fast radio bursts. End quote. Or maybe the object is a rare type of white dwarf star, or something else entirely. Hurley Walker says it could be an entirely new type of cosmic object. She and her team are continuing to monitor the galaxy to see if they can find other objects like it. The object itself is inactive for the moment. And also, she did pour cold water on one theory— It's not aliens. Quoting again from NBC News, she said the observations spanned a wide range of frequencies, which indicates that they have a natural origin and aren't some artificial signal. End quote. Well, that's a relief at least. So I will admit that I have not spent an incredible amount of time reading or learning about the metaverse because, frankly, I'm pretty uninterested. If this is really the next frontier of the internet, well, then I guess my daydreams of being an out-of-touch, mostly offline hermit will finally come to fruition. And for now, I'm okay with that. Maybe one day I'll eat my words after giving it a shot, but at the moment, meh. It is, however, tough to ignore all the news and hype over it, so I've seen some promo videos and such, and, you know, there was one thing that surprised me, and it turns out I'm not alone. In all the clips showing what it's like across multiple brands, not just from Meta, none of the avatars have legs. Where are their legs? 
Like, at first I thought it was just watching an early prototype kind of promo video or something, but no, people do not have legs in the metaverse. They just float along like little ghosts. Journalist Ivan Metza, who has the best possible name to be covering this story, was also confused about the lack of legs in the metaverse and did a little digging recently for the next web. Now, as some of you who are more well-versed in this kind of thing have probably guessed, it mostly has to do with the sensors and the fact that most of them come from headsets and sometimes additionally handheld controllers. But there aren't commercially available leg controllers yet for sensors to accurately detect and then depict. But Meta, the journalist, wonders why we couldn't just use cameras instead to see what our legs are doing. Of course, even then, the cameras would still probably be located on the headset, so Giesten Buter, co-founder of Netherlands-based XR controller company SenseGlove, told the Next Web, quote, It's very hard to capture your leg movements from only a headset. Sometimes your belly might block the line of sight for cameras on the headset that could potentially capture the movements of your legs. Now, we could potentially use sensors mounted on your feet. However, that's yet another kind of peripheral to add to the mix, end quote. And Dr. Rolf Illenberger, managing director of VR Direct, shared two reasons for not having legs in the metaverse at this juncture. First, it would be tough to accurately depict a person's physical height proportional to the rest of their avatar and to the virtual environment and others. He said this misrepresentation could bother some people, which doesn't sound like a huge deal to me, but all right. His other point extrapolating from there is a stronger one, though. Quoting the next web, Illenberger pointed out that in real life, when you look down, you're used to seeing your legs at a specific distance from your face which you're used to, but in the virtual world, if that situation is not replicated, it could cause you to feel nauseous. So until there are better sensors to avoid this on headsets, companies might avoid creating legs, end quote. And I gotta say, I appreciate this concern for any factors that could cause additional nausea in an activity that's already physically tough for some users to stomach. It reminds me a bit of Hank Green's novel, A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, which is a sequel, and I'm not going to spoil any major plot points here, but skip ahead about 30 seconds if you don't want to know anything about it. So in the book, there's a virtual reality platform that takes the world by storm, but some people get violently ill when they try to use it, to the point that they just can't ever use this new platform that everyone else is constantly plugged into, and the corporation that made the platform just doesn't really care. It's an excellent metaphor that can be interpreted in a number of ways, but I'm just glad to see that, for the time being at least, it's just a metaphor and not a prediction that's coming true in our world. So yes, I am glad to hear that some folks are taking concerns about people's physical reactions seriously. And while Meta didn't respond to Meta, Microsoft did send him a statement that basically confirms all of the above and vaguely hints that they are eventually interested in expanding the capabilities of their avatars to have full human bodies, but it doesn't sound like an immediate priority. And Buta, the Dutch co-founder of SenseGlove, says that we probably won't really get legs and walking, right now movement is mostly floating and teleporting, until users have something like an omnidirectional treadmill at home, which, you know, even in Ready Player One was like a luxury device. Most people just had the headset and the gloves. So maybe walking will come to the metaverse eventually, but legs will only be for the rich. So, 
So Tonga continues to work on rebuilding and making sure everyone who's been affected by the volcanic eruption and ensuing tsunamis is safe. Communication has been partially restored, so we're getting more and more information as the days go on. Unfortunately, more and more help is able to be sent over there. One thing I can tell you is that Pita Tofatafua, aka the Tongan flag bearer, is safe and well. He appears to have been in Australia when the storms hit, and after several days of not being able to get in touch with his family, he has now also confirmed that his father, a governor in Tonga, is safe as well. And given that Tofutfua is one of the only Tongans that a lot of people outside of that region actually know by name, due to his celebrity as both a summer and winter Olympian, he's been leveraging his platform to raise money and organize relief efforts. And given that, he has announced that he is withdrawing from the Winter Olympics so that he can stay nearby and help with recovery efforts. He will definitely be missed, but what an admirable move. You know, makes me like the guy even more than I did before. And in case you want to lend a hand as well, I'll drop a link to the GoFundMe that he started for relief efforts in the show notes. But that is it from me for this week. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again on Monday. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.